What's going on, y'all? So today's guest is not only a friend of my dad's, he's also a bluegrass musician. So if you never heard bluegrass before, you should check him out. He's also a bass player for the Del McCurry Band and the Traveling McCurries. So if you if you don't listen to blue, bluegrass music, you could go and check out a song or two. And he, I believe he mentions a couple songs that you should go listen to at the end of the podcast. So check them out anywhere that you find music at. And let's welcome today's guest, Alan Bartram. It's, it's my foundation. It's my faith. It's my work ethic. It's my drive. It's everything that I've tried to build for myself that has made me who I am. Yeah, I've talked to someone that works at Disney World. I've talked to so many. Yeah, it's it's a bunch of random, you know, things, you know. And then, um, like with you, like my dad talks about you all the time. Really? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like when he goes to Dell Fest and stuff like that. Oh yeah, yeah. But yeah, I always look forward. I always look forward to that, man. I always look forward to hanging with your dad. He's he's a good dude, man. He really is. I've looked up to him since since I was in ninth grade, you know, and he yeah. was, I don't know, he couldn't have been, he was probably still in his 20s. He had sure. to be, yeah. you know, and uh, yeah, teaching algebra on an overhead projector. Yep. <laughs> yeah, now he's teaching virtual kids while having students in the classroom at the same time. Oh, really? They yeah. do that, huh? I think, yeah, I think that's what he's doing. So I was Interesting. like, I don't know how you're doing that. Yeah. That'd be tricky. I've got a third grader. Okay. In, uh, yeah, a third grader, and she's been virtual this whole year. And the first first couple of weeks was a nightmare, man. Just yeah. tech issues and things like that, and just figuring out how to do it. But now we've really got in the groove now. It's actually actually going working really well she's got a good virtual teacher and i'm able to be here with her you know pretty much every so it's been pretty consistent with me helping her with uh because i've been home <laughs> a lot yeah. uh so me helping her with her school has been been pretty cool i mean there's frustrating moments but overall i feel like she's actually learning pretty well and she's got like uh, a lot of one-on-one actually not necessarily with the teacher, but with me, you know, so the right. teachers, you know, you know, some of the, some of the classes are live over video mm-hmm. and then others the teacher will pre-tape the lesson. Okay. And then she'll watch the lesson and then do the assignment. But it's like kind of having a, a tutor there with you all the time. If need be, you know, it's kind of my role, I guess. So. Yeah. So how's, been, how's like uh 2021 been treating you? Fine. So far, man. So you know, far, so it's, good. Uh, I mean, it's not like it's not that much different. It's really not right. It's, it's really not, you know, and uh, but so far it's been good, man. We've just been trucking along, you know, we're as a as a musician. Um, I mean, there's not a whole lot going on. I was uh, one of the bands I play in. We were in the studio for two days and um, working on a record. And that's, you know, pretty much been it as far as you know, musical work. Right. Um, other than that, I've definitely got plenty of stuff to do around the house here. <laughs> so, yeah, 
Uh, but in, up until probably, I think our first our first gigs that we'll be able to do this year are in April. Okay. So it's really not that far off. Right. Like things are going to hopefully start ramping up. Outdoor shows can happen, things like that. So I'm sure it'll be a slow, uh, uh, you know, slow ramp up on, up until a certain point. Right. Were you guys like touring or anything before this all happened? Yeah. Yeah. In okay. fact, um, I mean, the way the way we operate as a as a band, um, well, technically I'm in two bands. I'm in the Del McCurry band mm-hmm. and also the Traveling McCurries, which is an offshoot of the Del McCurry band. Um, and we pretty much just stay busy all through the year. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have like certain touring seasons where we're gone for like two months and then home for a little bit. We pretty much just, you know, maybe on average three to four days out of every week, we might be gone playing music and then home for three or four days. You know, that's an average. Sometimes it's longer. Sometimes it's less. Mm -hmm. It varies, but we're usually not gone for like, you know, weeks and weeks on end, which is good. You know, it kind of, it provides a little more, a little more balance at home, which can be tricky. But yeah, we were, we were, we, in fact, I think we came home from being gone for like maybe six days, five or six days. Mm. And, um, you know, you were starting to hear about, you know, coronavirus and, mm-hmm. you know, it was, there was still a lot. This was like a uh, late February, like the last, last week of February, first week of March or something like that. I forget exactly when, but remember, you know, hearing about it and thinking, huh, I wonder what, what this is going to be like, you know, yeah. nobody knew anything yet. And of course my got home and my daughter was on spring break and never went back to school, (laughs) (laughs) you know? And so, yeah, it was like, well, we'll probably get back to work around, you know, Hey, we'll probably be able to do like Dell fest, you know? I was like, yeah, we'll be able to do Dell fest for sure. Nope. And you know, that the target just kept getting pushed way back, you know? So Yeah. yeah, it's been weird, but Last, uh, this past fall, we were able to get out, you know, and do some outdoor shows in Virginia and North Carolina, um, South Carolina. Okay. Um, you know, and I mean, we may have done like 10 shows total Mm -hmm. and then that was, and then that was it again. So it was, it was, it was awesome to be home this much. Oh, I I, I mean, that's like, I mean, it's, it's a tragic thing, but if I can take something positive from it, um, I never, never dreamed I'd get to spend this much time at home with my family. I mean, I've, one time my daughter asked me, uh, this was a couple of years ago. She said, daddy, will you, have you ever been home for a whole month? <laughs> I said, oh, man. oh, not, not a long time, you know, probably not yeah. since you've been born. And, and she said, will you ever, you know, get to be home for, for that long? I said, ah, probably not, sweetie, you know? Yeah. And, and I just, it just wasn't, it's just, that wouldn't be any part of what we thought would be reality, you know? Right, yeah. And, uh, and that was okay. You know, that, that's all she's known. It's all, I have two daughters. I've got a three-year-old and an eight-year-old. Okay. And it's just, that's just what daddy does. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he's gone for a while and he's home for a while. And when I'm home, I'm home all day, you know, mm-hmm. I'm with them all day. And, uh, so, I mean, getting to, to spend that, that much time with them at, at these ages that are like such a. They're both, they're both, I mean, every age is important, but these really early developmental stages of a child's life is really special. And 
and now I realize how much, how, just how special it is when I've been, been able to be here for that long yeah. consistently, which is, it's been, that part has been amazing, you know? So what did they so, think about the music that you play? <laughs> they, they like it. I mean, they that's do? not something they, well, they probably, my wife likes to listen to it. Like I, I don't care to listen to like my art, like our own recordings, like right. stuff that, like she likes, my wife likes to listen to live shows. Okay, I'm like, ah, don't don't play that. I don't I don't want to hear that. You yeah, know, yeah. because I just I just critique it, critique it, critique. Yeah. It's like I don't enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm like, don't play that. So when I'm around, they don't. Really, you know, I'm like, turn that off. I don't want to hear that. Because I remember um, when I was younger, my dad was playing bluegrass. I used to hate it. We all hated I'm it. Bad. Yeah, and yeah. I just couldn't stand it. But now I love it. It's I even have some in my workout playlist. Oh really? Because cool. I liked it. Yeah, I just like different feels. You know, but it, it is. yeah, it's a uh, it's an acquired taste, especially for younger people. I think, yeah, and it's and it's. I think what makes the biggest difference is if you could go see it live. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Like seeing bluegrass live or just listening to it is completely different experience. Mm-hmm. You know, and that could that could be the difference between I do like this music <laughs> or I yeah. hate that music. You know. Yeah, but, we uh, uh, we saw. I don't know if he's bluegrass. I don't know what he is, but we saw Billy Strings. Yeah, mm-hmm. Not, that kid is ridiculous. He's great. Isn't so he? good. So yeah, good. man. He's yeah. He's he's like he 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 blew up these yeah. past two years. Yeah, I mean he's he's like the biggest thing in bluegrass, probably of all time. Oh really? Up, up till now, you know what I mean? Because he's in his twenties, isn't he? What's that? Is he in his twenties? Yeah, he's probably twenty six, maybe. Wow, maybe twenty six. I mean, as far as a band that's like banjo, guitar, bass, and mandolin, right? You know, four piece classic bluegrass instrumentation. Um, obviously, he doesn't always play just like traditional bluegrass songs, but right. I mean, that is a uh, you know, that's the template for a traditional bluegrass band, harmony vocals, mm-hmm. banjo, mandolin, bass, and guitar. Right. I mean, he's, you know, huge as far as like being able to sell tickets, sell records, things like that. I mean, that's like, yeah. you know, he's been very successful. He's worked really, you know, really hard for now, it. Now, is, is bluegrass something that you grew up listening to? Like, how'd you get into a, into like the bluegrass, you know, genre? To play that, kind I of music. didn't. I didn't really grow up listening to it. I was aware of it as a young kid because I had an uncle who had a like a regional bluegrass band, um, actually based in Delaware. It was called. It was a band called Special Blend. Okay. And uh, so, you know, as like maybe a seven-year-old kid, that they had, they put out. Uh, they self-produced an album. And so I was aware of that. I heard that. I was like, I like that. But I wasn't really into any particular kind of music. You know, we, you know, my mom and dad sang in church. Um, And so we would listen to like Southern gospel music or some in the 80s, probably in the 80s. I started getting into country music like uh, like Randy Travis. And Uh, okay, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, like Clint Black and like some of the 
some of like the mid eighties to late eighties country artists. I like really got into it. That wasn't cool at all. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. like, I was like, I like this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, um, of course MC hammer was really cool too. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, all, the, all the other stuff that was on the radio, but I wasn't really allowed to listen to that stuff at home. You know, uh, so okay, I would yeah. hear that stuff at my, at my buddy's house. I'd hear like, you know, pop music or rock music, you know, away from home. Um, at home, I'd listen to country music or, you know, gospel music. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I didn't really, uh, wasn't really into bluegrass until uh, I had started working for that uncle who'd had a band. Now, he didn't have the band anymore. He's um, He was a, a business owner in Bear, had a business called um, Delaware Lawn and Tree Service. Okay. It was like right, it was right not far from Red Line, mm-hmm. right there at, uh, I think right now it's called Mid-State. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. You know that spot, that, yeah, that yeah. intersection? It's yep, like yep, right at the corner. crazy. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. He had that place for years and years. I started working for him there at the at the garden center. And I had started playing guitar when I was 14, but not any particular style, just whatever I could learn from whoever would show me, like my dad, my uncles, any buddies who played guitar, things I could figure out on my own. Right. And so I was just kind of finding my way musically on the guitar and he uh in one of the work trucks he had like a like a bootleg tape of uh, a couple bands there was like one band on each side and i just started listening to it and i was like oh this this is cool it was kind of it was more current bluegrass for that time you know mm-hmm. and it was kind of progressive and i started really digging it and so and then i heard um what else really got me going? Oh, I'd heard Alison Krauss on the radio. Oh, I loved her. Like, yeah, there was some, yeah. some one of her songs, you know, was like getting played on country radio, mm-hmm. but it wasn't really country. Right. I was like, who is that? Yeah. And so I just kind of started digging in from there. And so he started turning me on to more stuff, uh, more bands, different bands. And there was also a local, um, there was a station out of U of D they had a show on Saturdays called fire on the mountain, mm-hmm. I think. And, uh, so they would play like old time music and bluegrass music. So I started to listen to that. And then the, 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 the major, uh, thing that really, that really got me, um, uh, like hooked on bluegrass was, uh, my aunt, my aunt and uncle who I was working for, uh, they said, you know, if you like this, you need to come to us to the Delaware Valley bluegrass festival over in, Woodstown, New Jersey at the Salem County Fairgrounds. I was like, okay. And they said, yeah, come camp. You know, you can just set up a tent. Um, You can see all the bands play, you know, you can, you can pick, you can jam, you know, in the campground. I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. I'll see you there, you know? And so I went there and spent the weekend and I got to see like Allison Krause and Union Station up close. Wow. Uh, you know, Bob Paisley and the Southern Grass, which was kind of more of a, a local band, regional band. Uh, just some of these different bands I've been listening to, I got to see them in person. And like I said to you earlier, it's like, man, seeing it in person is different than just listening to it. Yeah. It's like a hundred times better. And got to meet all kinds of other people my own age that were into it. And, you know, got to, you know, what we call pick. Mm-hmm. which is kind of a, it's just an informal jam session in a campground or wherever. 
it blew my mind <laughs> just being there that weekend. And that was it, man. I was like, I'm doing this. I don't I didn't know if I would do it professionally. I didn't, that, that wasn't even a, that didn't seem like even a possibility. I wasn't worried about that. I just wanted to, that's like, I'm doing this for fun, you know? So then I started going to every festival I could, I could get to, you know, on the weekends. And so camp. you already, so you already played instruments by that time. I played, I played the guitar at that time. Okay. Yeah. And so I was, then, then I was like, really, okay, well, I, I know I want to, I want to learn, I wanted to get better at this. So I started really focusing on, on bluegrass. Okay. And I met, uh, the next year at the same festival, I met some other dudes that were my real close to my age. And we, you know, we just kind of informally started getting together once in a while to, to, uh, just to jam. And of course it's like, Hey, let's start a band. <laughs> you know, it's the nat- the next natural progression. Right. And, you know, so you start a band and I was like, I, right about that time I was, I think I was about to start college in 98. Yeah. I was starting college in 98 and, um, I moved up to Williamsport, Pennsylvania to go to college. So all of us were based in PA kind of like, South central Northeast, um, and, uh, North central. We were kind of spread out, but we were all in PA. And so three of us were in college. And so we're kind of playing, it's kind of a hobby, but we're getting gigs and we're traveling around when we can, especially during the summer, we would do the East coast, you know, playing festivals and go out to the Midwest and play festivals. And, um, it was great, man. It was like an amazing learning experience. It was all like DIY, uh, you know, book yourself, get yourself to the gig. You know, I mean, this is like back in the, <laughs> it seems funny to say this. I sound, it makes me sound so old, so but like when we didn't have cell phones, we didn't have GPS, you know, we yeah. used an Atlas to, to get, you know, where we were going. And uh, it was, uh, it was so cool, man. It was just like, we were living the dream, but even at that time it was still like, well, when I'm done with college, I'm probably going to, you know, stop doing this and, you know, mm-hmm. get a real job and whatnot, you know, kind of settle into my professional career. I was studying um, horticulture. So I, I went, uh, my degree was called landscape and nursery technology, which was oh, kind right. of a, a overall, you know, of the, of the, like the, the landscape trade, including like plant production or mm. landscape construction or landscape, landscape maintenance, landscape design. You know, all, all that stuff. It was very like hands-on. Um, it was a great program. It was amazing. And cause that was like, that was a passion of mine. And that's what I was going to do is like my trade is my job. You know, that's what I wanted to, wanted to do. And, um, but then, you know, through playing in a band like that, getting to travel around, got to meet so many people. I got to meet a lot of my heroes, mm-hmm. you know, and, one of which was Kenny Smith, who was a guitar player in a band called the Lonesome River Band right. at that time. And, you know, he was in a mo- and almost all of them, all of the like seasoned, experienced, you know, older dudes that we looked up to that were our heroes were very welcoming, um, which is kind of a thing in bluegrass. You know, it's like everybody knows everybody, everybody, most for the most part, everybody's very encouraging. Um, and so, you know, Kenny had, uh, expressed to me that, you know, 
if the chance ever came up, uh, he had started a band with his wife. He had left Lonesome River Band. He and his wife, Amanda, had started their own group. And um, they put out uh, they put out one or no, two. They put out two two albums. And, you know, he had at one point. He'd said, you know, that it might be a possibility if the if there was an opportunity for me to play in their band. I was like, really? You know, in my mind, I'm thinking, really? That's that seems crazy. I mean, I can't imagine, you know. But it was like it was kind of an epiphany of like, so, I mean, I've only ever played my own band and that's anybody can play their own band. Right. But for someone else to want you to play in their band, it was like, okay, well, that seems like that that would be, you know, incredible, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it would be like, you know, what an opportunity that would be. And it kind of opened my eyes to the to the reality that, well, maybe, maybe I could do this, you know, even for just a little while. Maybe I could, you know, advance in this, uh, in the music business. And so, uh, it turned out that that it actually came about. And so I was finishing up college. I had got an offer from Kenny and Amanda to play in their band. And I had a lot of friends that lived in Nashville. And so I didn't, I mean, I was in Williamsport, Pennsylvania for five years. And I only lived there because that's where I went to college. I didn't really, of course, when you're college, you know, college is over, your friends kind of scatter and you're like, well, right. there's, there's nothing else here for me. Am I going to move back? home near home or you know or maybe i moved to nashville you know i've got i've got a cool gig um i've got friends there maybe i can pick up some side work as a musician there and so i just was like you know in the the you know the the audacity of of youth i think you have when you're when you're young and dumb is like yeah let's move to nashville you know right yeah um and so i i I did, and that was in 2003. I moved down here right before Thanksgiving, and uh, actually, uh, one of my bandmates from my first band he moved down too, and we rented a house together. We we split the rent on a on a house when you could rent a house in Nashville, like really cheap. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably three times that now. I mean, there's oh, just wow. no way you could afford it. Um, but it was like it was just like a perfect. It was the perfect time to move here in my experience at, at that time. And, uh, it, I, you know, I, luckily I had a lot of friends. And so, you know, I was able to pick up some random, you know, fill in gigs here and there and just meet more people and meet more people. It just kind of snowballed until, um, I had an opportunity to fill in, uh, for Mike Bubb, who was the bass player in the Del McCurry band. Mm. And, uh, I, uh, met him when I first moved here at the station Inn. I uh, made it a point to like introduce myself to him. So it was like, I met him at the station Inn. I saw him. I was like, I need to, I need to meet Mike Bubb, you know? Yeah. And so I, I introduced myself to him and, uh, and he, and Mike's always been like a great connector and like mentor of, you know, younger musicians. And so, you know, he had came, he had come to see the Kenny and Amanda Smith band play at the station Inn, And so, uh, I was, I guess, on his radar, and he saw fit to ask me to fill in for him uh, on the op- on the Opry with with the Del McCurry band, and um, mm. and so 
I did. And so through that, I met, you know, the rest of the band. So I was on their radar. And so when, when Mike left the band um, and they were looking for a new bass player, you know, uh, I was, you know, I was someone who would play with them before. Of course, there was other guys trying out for the gig. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was still playing with Kenny and Amanda, and uh, but they called me this. Hey, can you come? You know, you know, play with us sometime while we're going through this process of looking for a new bass player, basically. And I was, of course, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and I was, I was torn uh, about it. I mean, not that I wouldn't want to go fill in, but um, when you know, to think about, well, leaving uh, Kenny and Amanda, who were great friends, and I loved playing with them, um, you know, it was like, I'd only been with them for a year, maybe a year and a half at the time. And so it was like, man, if I, you know, if I get offered this gig, am I going to take it? I mean, for one thing, it's like, you're taking the the place of a, of a band member who had been there for like 13 years, yeah. a beloved band member who the fans love is like, um, you know, she's all, I, I can't fill those shoes. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to be, you know, cause I, I, as a fan, I've seen that happen, you know, like somebody new comes into a band, I'm like, I don't know, yeah, man, exactly. I don't like the other guy better, yeah. you know, it's like, and so there was that, you know, and, and, um, but anyway, I played and when I could with, I played with them for probably two months off and on. And the process of that was just going on the road and playing gigs. It was like no official, Hey, you're coming to try out for this gig, you know, yeah, at this yeah. rehearsal space. It was like either get on a plane to fly the gig with them or get on the bus, go to the gig with them. And then you just go play the, play the show, you know, mm -hmm. sink or swim kind of deal. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, which was great because it really forces you into like up in your game. And so, um, I told him, I said, I let them know that I, I definitely was interested in the gig, but I also tried to, you know, I, I didn't bug them about it. I was just like, if, you know, if they want to hire me, they'll let me know, you know? And so in August of 2005, I got a call and, um, offered me the job and I was like, I'll take it, you know? So yeah. since 2005, I've been with the Del McCurry band and in 2000, nine or 2010 it's kind of hazy now we started the travel mccurry's also okay um which is the you know ronnie and rob mccurry jason carter and myself from the del mccurry band and we have a separate band and we have a guitar player his name is cody kilby and so we we do kind of our own thing you know it's totally different music we don't do the same stuff that we do in the del mccurry band obviously and we've built up a really great following. We've got a great fan base, um, which obviously kind of the fan base is kind of commingle. Obviously, mm -hmm. we don't have, you know, it's like people like us. They probably like the Del McCurry band too, right, or vice exactly. versa. Yeah. Know? But so, and that's just been, you know, it's it's been great the past um, fifteen years basically with Del. <clears throat> and awesome. um, yeah, I mean, I, I just I, I still can't believe it sometimes you know it's like i i didn't plan this i didn't think it was possible yeah but just more opportunity kept presenting itself mm -hmm. like okay i'm gonna walk through that door now you know right so so along yeah. that timeline where did you pick up the bass at 
Oh yeah, yeah, I did switch. Uh, that happened about ninety. Uh, let's see, that would have been about ninety eight, ninety nine. Okay. Um, when uh, the the first band I was in was called Second Edition, and we originally had a bass player. His name was was Al Anthony. So there was five of us. I played. There was two guitar players, me and uh, Justin Carbone, and uh, at a certain point. Al, Al was the oldest. He, he was married, um, getting ready to have a kid. And at a certain point, he was like, guys, I just, I don't think I'm going to be able to, you know, like travel as much as you want to travel. I should step away. And so we were like, okay. Um, I was like, well, we can, you know, how about I try playing, I try playing bass because the other guy was like, way better guitar player than I was. It's okay. like, we don't need two guitar players. We do need a bass player. Let me try it. If it doesn't work, we, we can find it. We'll find another bass player, but let's see if I can do it and make it work. And so I just kind of jumped into that. Um, it's not that big of a, physically it's a lot different, but musically it's not that different from playing the guitar mm -hmm. as far as notes go. Um, so it's, it's not a crazy transition really. Um, so I was able to, able to do that. And, um, that's when I, and so from that point on, it was like, I really focused on the bass. Yeah. I still played the guitar as like a hobby, you know, but I wouldn't really gig on the guitar, you know, right. even now I play a lot of guitar now, especially now since I've been home a lot, mm -hmm. I've been playing the guitar a lot the past year. It's been kind of fun to get reacquainted with it and, and actually improve on it and learn, learn some different things, but Yeah. And then what about singing too? Because I know, uh, I don't think you, you don't sing that much in Del McCurry or you didn't when you started. No, no, not in the Del McCurry. And actually that, that kind of reminds me that that was another, another hesitation I had uh, when I was thinking about, okay, what would this mean if I joined this band? Because I've always been a singer um, in the Kenny and Amanda Smith band. I, I didn't have a big lead singing role, but I had a big harmony singing role. Mm -hmm. Um, which which I love, and I knew that I wouldn't have that in the Del McCurry band. But um, ultimately, uh, you know, that wouldn't have been um, uh, a good reason not to take that gig. Right? You know what I mean? Right. I mean, being being uh, part of the Del McCurry band has um, afforded me so many opportunities that would not happen if I was not in that band. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I've gotten to play um, with so many different musicians or bands or gotten to meet so many different people that I would never have gotten to meet not being in that band. Um, so it's definitely, a, it's like, uh, whether it's deserved or not, it's like if you're if you're in that band, okay, yeah, you're cool, you're good. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's uh, uh, it's you know it's been an amazing opportunity. You know, yeah, that's cool, man. So, like, what kind of people, like fans, do you? I don't know. I'm sure you've seen what like people, what kind of people are drawn towards country mm -hmm. compared to what people are drawn towards bluegrass. 
Oh yeah. yeah. What's yeah. the difference? Totally. Uh, yeah. There's, there's a, I mean, there's some crossover, but there, yeah. there's, there's, you can, I mean, at least, uh, you know, the places we play, like, let's say the Del, I mean, the Del McCurry band fan base is very diverse. Yeah. There's old folks who have been in, into traditional bluegrass for a long time. There's, uh, hippie kids. There's like jam grass, uh, fans. There's just regular kind of, you know, young families who come with their, and they bring their kids. And there, I mean, there, it's, it's all over the board and the travel McCurry's fan base isn't that much different from that. Okay. Which is cool because you see, uh, it's amazing when someone, uh, brings their kids to your show. That's like, that's kind of a point of pride for me Yeah, that someone can bring their kids to our show. Um, and you know, they're no, <laughs> their kid's not going to hear or see something that, uh, you know, they don't want them to see. Right. Right. You know, um, or it's re- and it's really cool when when those kids like you see those kids get older and they still they still like your band yeah, you know yeah. that's that's pretty cool so now is there like neat. a is there like a place where you go where you get like the craziest people like a certain state or anything like that yeah um, you mean like like a party crowd yeah 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 um, Colorado is has a great music scene. Okay. Like you can, we can go to Colorado and play like you can play, you can stay in Colorado for a week and play, you know, like Fort Collins, Denver, Colorado Springs, and then go into the mountains to like Aspen and Copper Mountain, Beaver Creek, Avon, Telluride, um, Grand Junction. I mean, you can like, you can tour Colorado for like a week or two. <laughs> and, yeah. and have amazing crowds every night. Wow. Boulder. I mean, it's just, it's an amazing state for, I mean, people love music and they're great, great crowds. California is awesome. Um, so many places out West are really. Okay. Uh, but usually like, like craziest crowds, usually like a late night festival crowd. Right. Yeah. You know, where it's like, what is going on in here? You know, like, yeah, yeah. uh, out in, uh, one of the biggest eye-opening things for me when I first joined the Del McCurry Band was first time we played High Sierra Music Festival in uh, Quincy, California. So it's Northern California. Uh, it's inland. You know, it's up near the Sierras. Um, it's just kind of out. You know, it's, it's kind of a rural area. Um, but it is a. it was like my first real, like, hippie fest. And I had never seen anything like it before. I was green, man. And I was walking around that place like, whoa, there's some interesting folks here. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it was great. It was great, man. I know my dad's and told I, me some stories and I'm just like, I was like, what? Those kind of people listen to that? He's like, yeah. He's like, you'd be surprised. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's yeah, man. Your, your, your dad has been like uh, such a supporter of me since since I first got into playing music, man. He's always been you know, really supportive, which has been really cool, you know? Yeah, that's cool. And, uh, yeah, I always look forward to hanging when I usually don't have that much time, but right. you know, whenever he does come out, I try to try to get some time for a hang. But yeah, i tell you another thing though. Your, your dad is like, he does not want to, he does not want to bother you. You know, he's, he's oh, afraid yeah. he's going to be like, you know, 
I'm like, no, man, come on. You're fine. You know, come, you know, come backstage. And I said, no, no, I just, I'm going to go out here and take some pictures. <laughs> oh yeah. Cause he's content being by himself and just taking pictures and just enjoying himself, listening to yeah. music and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I get, the, I get it from him. I'm the same way. Yeah. You know, but so how's, uh, thinking back to when you first started and you first started, like say like your first time touring or like traveling, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. what is the difference now where, um, where you weren't known, but now you're known, you know, how mm-hmm. different is the touring and traveling? Well, let's see. Well, like I was saying in, when I was in, uh, like my own band, mm-hmm. it was, uh, you know, it was so exciting because, you know, we were like 20, I was 22, you know, between from the time I was about 21 until 20, let's see how long I lived there from 21 to about 27 or 26, let's say, you know, it was like DIY touring. So we started out in like, you know, our personal cars with our maps and our instruments. (laughs) We, we, we scrounged up enough money to buy a bus one time that's old, like a 1967 silver Eagle that someone had started to convert into like a private coach. And, um, one of my bandmates, his name was Eric Troutman. His grandfather was a diesel mechanic and kind of like a Jack of all trades. And me and Eric and and we, uh, the, the, the band, you know, got this money together and, bought this big 40 foot long motor coach and luckily for and we had eric's path to help us like figure out how to he taught us how to drive it he did so much work to it fixing it up getting it road ready and that thing was cool uh it didn't last that long because we had some issues with it but uh and it probably it wasn't a wise decision to buy it in the first place. If we were going to buy something, we should have bought like a fifteen passenger van, right, right, you know, and maybe a trailer. But you know, we were like, yeah, let's get a bus, you know. <laughs> but anyway, the things you do when you're when you're young, you know. Oh, uh, if only you knew. If only you knew then what you know now, right? Oh, exactly. But anyway, it it was an adventure, man. It was an adventure, and it was it was all you know. I mean, we were playing like little festivals where, uh, you know, you basically had to, you know, you're like calling the promoter to find out when you're playing or you had to like look at their flyer, their schedule, you know, like, okay, second edition's on at, you know, 1030 in the morning and 330 in the afternoon and then just get there. You know, this is like the time. I don't think any of us had a pay phone at first or a, pay, a cell phone at first. So it was like, you know, yeah. using pay phones to, to try to get a hold of promoter or get directions. And bluegrass festivals are notorious for being hard to find because they're way off the beaten path. Yeah. The sign is just not good, you know? So it, it was always an adventure. And so then, you know, if you get into, you know, you progress up to like, a really pro national band like the Don Curry band, basically all I got to do is show up at the bus or show up at the airport. Yeah. And that, and that's it. You know, yeah. everything else is, you know, either the bus is going to take you to the gig or, you know, you're going to get to the airport and you're going to fly somewhere and then get in a rental car and they're going to drive you to the, to the gig. So it's, you know, 
a lot a lot easier it's i don't have all i have to do is show up and play the bass yeah. you know um yeah because now it's because now it's like work for you you know what i mean it's kind of like yeah it's less adventure yeah. but it's easier and you know what i mean like this is your job yeah yeah it's and it's like the fun part is playing the show and the work part is like all the travel you have to do which right. sometimes is, is just grueling you know especially yeah. when you're flying because when you're and we did that a lot and we would i mean we would play like some of the most grueling stuff we would do like one night a couple of years ago traveling mccurry's had a gig in lutzen minnesota which is north of duluth way up there and we played uh like we were there for two days we played uh, a late night show and then basically wrapped that show like 1 30 in the morning and then we got in a van and luckily we had a somebody from this gig was driving us like the two and a half hours down to Minneapolis and went right to the airport, got on a plane and flew to, uh, where did we fly into all flew to California mm. and then played a gig that day. Like the day we flew in, played a gig that day. And then, you know, the next day we flew home. Right. And so you've got, and sometimes you got a whole tour like that, not necessarily that distance, but you're flying somewhere. So you're getting up early to make a flight. You're flying somewhere. Then you're getting in a rental car and driving another two to three hours, loading into the gig, playing the gig, loading out, possibly driving a couple hours that night yeah. on your way to the next gig or back to the airport, flying somewhere else. And even as grueling as that can be, still not that bad right exactly. i mean you definitely get you get dog tired sometimes but it's like you know you're not really it's really not that bad you really shouldn't complain right. <laughs> you know you're still getting to play music for a living right and uh so uh and then other times you'll get like the cushiest tours are like where you're just on a bus the whole time mm -hmm. and you're traveling overnight so um like you might leave from Hendersonville, Tennessee at 11 o'clock at night and you wake up the next morning in the town you're going to play in. So you get up, walk out, go find a place to eat breakfast, see the sights, walk around, you know, maybe Uber somewhere if there's something interesting to see, get back in time for load in and sound check, eat, you know, eat your catered dinner, which isn't, it's not necessarily fancy, right. you know, but it's free, yeah, <laughs> you know, there you go. and uh, play your show, load out. And the bus leaves about 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock that night. Sleep, you know, sleep in your bunk all night. Wake up in the next town. Mm -hmm. That's my favorite form of touring. Because um, I love to be able to wake up somewhere and, like, go out and explore if there's right. something to, to explore, you know. Yeah. Um, so that's that's my favorite kind of touring. Yeah, sounds good. What, yeah. Um, what, what was your, like, mindset, like, going back to when you were making that decision – uh, to like stop playing with Kenny and Amanda and then go to Delma Curry's like what was going through your mind then like were you scared because you wanted to be loyal or yeah absolutely yeah yeah, yeah man it was it was uh, it was uh, it was not an easy decision and because I loved playing with them yeah you know I mean it was like that, that was a you know I loved it I, I wanted to play with them 
but I knew that for, you know, as far as like, I mean, it wasn't a lateral move right. to go to the Delma Creek. Mm-hmm. It would, it would be foolish to leave a band you love for like, you know, another band. You're like, yeah, I like this band, but it's not really, they were similar in the right? long run. Yeah. In the long run, it's not really an advancement. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, you know, the chance to play with, uh, you know, a legend yeah. is just, you don't, you don't, you can't pass that up, you know, but, it, uh, and another thing that, that, made it even well it didn't really make it tougher but another connection i had with them was uh through kenny and amanda i met amanda's sister who uh, i started dating right and so me and amanda's sister are dating and uh you know we were and we were getting pretty serious you know it was like you know it's almost like you're not technically family yet but Mm-hmm. we did become family because we ended up getting married. Okay. And um, anyway, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's, you know, a lot of these decisions, a lot of these things you're thinking about. So I was torn, but it was also like, I can't turn this down. Right. You know, I can't turn this down. I would, I feel like I would be foolish to turn it down. It's, you know, ultimately it's going to be good for me and my family and ultimate and eventually my kids and, and everything to have a gig like this, you know, so what about and so, uh, and it, it, it turned it turned out to be fine you know i mean they they were oh, very yeah. understanding you know that um and it's it's you know obviously now we're we're like you know they're my brother and sister-in-law right <laughs> actually amanda's here right now with with her with her oh, little wow, girl. okay yeah we live um, we only live like four miles apart so that's cool yeah so uh from like a, the other guys from second edition are did they still continue like trying to do more Yep. Uh, for a while. Yeah. Uh, the Mike Brubaker, the banjo player, he, before we wrapped that band up, he had, uh, he'd moved down to Tennessee to play with another band. He moved down here to play with Valerie Smith and Liberty Pike. Mm. And so he had moved on only, it was only about a year before we kind of, you know, wrapped that band and we, uh, had a friend, her name was Donica Christensen and we, she was banjo player. She played banjo with us for about the, the year, year and a half, whatever it was. Um, so Mike had moved on to play with that band. When we did wrap up the band, uh, Donica had actually, she was moving down here to Nashville. Uh, Justin Carbone, the, the guitar player, he got a gig with a band called, Greg Cahill and Special Consensus. Okay. And he moved to Nashville too. So he was playing with them. I went with the Kenny and Amanda Smith band. Eric Troutman, he stayed in PA and still played. He still he still plays a lot. Uh, uh, he plays a lot locally. Um, uh, he played with a band called the Likens Valley Bluegrass Boys. He played with uh, uh, a country gentleman tribute band and also uh, Danny Paisley and Southern Grass for a while. Um, and so he's still heavily involved in music. Um, and, uh, everybody's gone on to have, get married and have kids and, and everything. We still keep in touch. We, and it's like, uh, it's cool because once you've, once you've been in a band with somebody or once you've traveled the road with somebody, it's buddies for life, right? whether or not you, you, you didn't, 
whether or not you always got along or not, it doesn't matter. Oh yeah. You're still like, you're, you're tight, man. You're, you're like, you're connected forever. And so once in a while we get on these text threads, you know, together and, and keep in touch and, and once in a while I'll get to see each other, but not as often as I, as I wish we could, but yeah, we're still good buddies. And, uh, I think, uh, most of us have, uh, Mike, everybody has like a different career now, except for me. I don't think it, no one else is really doing aside from like, uh, everybody's got like a regular job. Everybody still plays right. music, but not, not as like the job. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, we got very, very stable, <laughs> very stable sources of income. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 So where, so where are you going to take things now? Are you just like, going to hang out with these bands and just continue to play until you find your next thing or? Yeah. I mean, I will, I will play with Del McCurry as long as he'll happy. Yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to leave, right. leave that band. Um, as far as the traveling McCurries, we're, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, a partner in that band. So that's like kind of my business. Okay. And so, um, I won't, you know, that's definitely, you know, and, and that the traveling McCurries was started at the suggestion of Dell to like have something already going for the, for the eventuality when he won't be playing music anymore. Okay. Um, I mean, he, he has no intentions of stopping, um, but he knew that, you know, it would be good. It would be good for, for us to have something going instead of just, you know, just play with him, just play with him. And then, okay. You know, either, you know, he's not able to play anymore for whatever reason. And then it's like, Oh, Oh, we got to, we got to get a new band rolling, you know? So it was really forward thinking on his part and very generous on his part to encourage us to do that. So yeah. plenty of band leaders wouldn't do that. Like, no, you're, you're you know, you're playing with me, <laughs> you know, right, right. I don't want you doing your own thing. But I mean, he and his wife, Jean are like, they're our biggest fans. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they've always made me feel like part of the family. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's just been a, an amazing opportunity to get to be a part of that, a part of that band. And so, you know, that's, it, we, the, the Del McCurry band still takes precedence with, um, booking and things like that. So usually in normal times, um, the agents would kind of lay out the Del McCurry band schedule okay. and get you know, get these things laid out and then they would kind of create the travel McCurry schedule, um, in a way that, that made sense for both bands. And it's been, it's been pretty cool. Sometimes it gets, it gets logistically difficult because you've got like, you're doing shows with both bands, like in different places. Right. Now, sometimes it works out where you can do a show at the same festival with both bands, which is awesome. You know, it's like, that's, that's great. Yeah, <laughs> you, yeah, know, yeah. you can make that work. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, yeah, this, this will be, you know, we've been building, building this band for a while. We've put out one recording, um, which was really successful. We're working on another one now. We just released, um, a single a couple months ago. We'll have another single coming out shortly and then kind of another one. That's kind of the new, yeah, the new record business model, you know? 
Um, and so, of course, now we've, we've had to, you know, not not reevaluate, but we've just kind of just had to just slow down and just there was only so much we could do yeah. this past this past year, basically. Now, you and guys so, like I don't know how. So what is where does bluegrass writing come from? You know what I mean? Like, where do you where do you pull from to write your music? Because you guys write your own music, right? Some of it, not some all of it, it okay. but some of it. Yeah, um, I have. Could, usually, I've been. Um, I'm not a prolific writer. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't. I don't like churn out a bunch of songs. But right. Um, like our first record, I I had three. There was three. The three songs that I sang on that record were ones I had co-written. Um, and so, and the inspiration for those songs happened to be, um, one of them was inspired by, uh, a close buddy of mine who was going through a divorce and kind of just, uh, you know, started out down his and it kind of ultimately in the song is like, uh, it's it, worse than the song that wasn't real life yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean but <laughs> right, but right. you know use some artistic license there uh another one of the songs was just kind of um inspired by like uh a ballad of a mythical figure john henry who ever, i don't know if you've heard of john henry but john henry was a slave who worked on uh like uh um like uh, he was a steel driver. Most people okay. might think that a steel driver is uh, someone who like drives railroad spikes mm-hmm. that you know hold the tracks down. That's that's not really what it was. A steel driver was someone who would uh, drive a, a basically a handheld drill bit into rock for them to then put explosives in, and that's how they would clear tunnels and things like that. And so the the ballad of uh, mythical ballad of john henry is he could drive like a certain depth you know into the rock okay with it like a nine pound you know drilling hammer and so that everybody's that that's like a, a very popular folk song and and there there's a character in that song whose job was to hold hold the drill mm. and turn it while someone else hit it yeah. you know it was like and they were called a shaker they called them for whatever. I'm not sure why they called them shakers, but and the, the shaker is mentioned in the uh, in the original ballad, and I was always fascinated by that. I was like, "Who is that dude?" Yeah. Because I mean, it's good. John Henry's awesome, but the dude that's holding holding the drill is right. like <laughs> that's pretty that's pretty bad too, man. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine what that gig's like. It's got to be pretty dangerous. And so I just kind of started digging into what that job was and. And what that might have been like for for the for the men that did that job, mm. and it was really dangerous, obviously, because somebody's swinging a steel sledgehammer yeah. near your hands and arms and head <laughs> as hard as they breathing, can. Yeah, yeah, you're you're breathing uh, rock dust all day. Yeah. So a lot of them would, and they were they were slaves, and they were in. I mean, they were just uh, disposable, basically. And so, you know, they would. They would, if they did survive, they would eventually die from silicosis of the lungs from breathing rock dust. Right. And they, you know, if they did get killed, they would just, you know, they just bury them along the tracks somewhere, you know, and unmarked, whatever. They were just tools, but living human tools. 
And so I just wanted to kind of uh, turn the shaker into uh, kind of make him part of the hero story instead of just John Henry, you know, who beat the steam drill. Um, and so that, that song was inspired by just kind of wanting to kind of create this, uh, you know, elevate the, the, the job of the shaker. And what's that song? Is that called, is it called the shaker? It's called the shaker. Okay. Okay. Uh, and then, um, uh, the other song on that record was like, uh, I knew the guy I wrote it with, I told him, I said, I want to write a, like a fast bluegrass song. It's going to have a jam on the end and it's going to have, it's just going to kind of be about what we do to get to the gig. So basically, mm-hmm. you know, flying on a plane or riding a bus and just kind of like, just going to be fast. And, um, you know, so we, we kind of, we went into the, the writing session with that stuff in mind, you know, we came up with the song called traveling and it's just kind of a fast barn burner. And on the end of the song, all the, all the soloists get to really kind of turn loose and okay. rock out a little bit. So usually I try to, I try to write songs that are either, you know, really mean something to me or something that I can imagine or something I've experienced or something that I, someone I know has experienced. Um, uh, that's where for me it comes from a lot of traditional bluegrass songs are like lost love you know missing yeah. mom and dad missing the cabin the old cabin home you know on the hill things right. like that and that's cool but it doesn't really it doesn't inspire me to like I want to write a song about that I usually try to I'm not always successful but I try to find like a different angle or hmm. you know um I wrote a song uh, since we've been, you know, off the road. I've tried to write a little more, and I, I wrote a song with my buddy um, Eric Gibson of the Gibson Brothers, has been like a mentor to me and someone I've looked up to for a long time. And I just had an idea about um, how, um, like, uh, a lightning rod works on a barn, like it it protects the it protects the barn basin from burning down from being hit by lightning. Mm-hmm. You know I mean? It's like, it can't, it can't protect it from the wind or the rain. Really. You got to have a good roof, right? Cause if, if everything gets wet and the barn is going to rot, it's going to fall down. So it's like the lightning rod takes those big hits. And it was like, so we started kind of talking about that and how like, you know, you're you want to be a lightning rod for your kids you know you want to protect them from those you can't protect them from everything but you want to protect them from those big hits and then then we the more we talked about we're like really our our our, the mothers and the wives are really the lightning rod for the whole family Mm -hmm. you know and we're like that's where we should go with that you know and so we wrote we wrote a song together about kind of celebrating our wives as being a lightning rod for our for the family you know and how they just you know, can, you know, protect the family through whatever, through their love, through prayer, through all these things, you know, and how right. yeah. they just, you know, they, they take those big hits and that's kind of what, what mothers and grandmothers and wives do, you know? Yeah. Um, so, you know, things like that is usually I, I, what I have interest in writing in. Yeah. There, I'm just not, I'm not very good at, um, 
there's some writers who, I mean, and there's hundreds of them in Nashville who can mm-hmm. go to the writing office every day and turn, they'll turn out three or four songs a day. Yeah. And, you know, some of them are probably fine mm-hmm. and, and they're, some of them are great. Some dudes can turn out great songs every week. You know, right. I can't, you know, I gotta, not that any of mine are great, but I at least want to really be into what I'm writing about. Right. I don't just want to like, you know, come up with some lines that rhyme and has a neat melody and doesn't really mean anything to me. Right. Exactly. So, you know, so um, what kind of, what kind of advice would you give someone? And we'll wrap it up with this is just like, uh, what kind of advice would you give someone that, you know, is doing the same kind of thing, you know, starting off playing mm-hmm. guitar or playing another instrument and, you know, uh, like finding the music that they love and trying to like make it, big quote unquote you know yeah uh what would you tell them well um if um well it's hard to say i I would say you know temper your expectations for Mm -hmm. one thing yeah don't be afraid to go for it but i also would advise anyone to, to like have a plan B, (laughs) you know what I mean? Oh yeah. Um, I mean, don't be afraid to go all in, but have a plan B. And also if you, and then I think this goes for anything where it's like, uh, whether it's anything in the arts, right? Like whether you want to be a photographer or a painter or an artist or a singer or musician or songwriter, it's not, there's a lot of people that go to school for that stuff. Mm Mm-hmm that never end up doing it. Right. And I think there's no, I mean, there's, I wouldn't discourage someone from, from going the, the, uh, the official, you know, uh, scholastic route, Mm -hmm. but you've also got to be out there hustling and actually doing that stuff. Like if, say, if you're, you know, if you're a photographer, you want to be a photographer and you just go to college and learn how to operate a camera, learn how to compose, shots but you're not out there trying to drum up some gigs like taking you know graduation shots or wedding shots or even if you're doing it for free to get the experience Mm -hmm. out there actually practicing your art and and getting into a position where you could make a living at it you know same thing goes for music it's like if you just you know sit in your room practicing you could be the most amazing uh the most amazing musician and you only play in your bedroom, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're not out there playing with other people, um, meeting other people, networking with other people, getting out there on the scene and and waiting for those opportunities. And I think the other thing that'll that'll either get you a job or it'll it'll make you keep your job is being professional. Mm. Um, I mean, talk. I mean be on time or be early, have a good attitude, regardless of how crappy your day is going. Um, if you're, if you're a side man in a band, your job is to make the front man sound good. Right. Right. You show up on time, you know, the material, be prepared. You know what I mean? Like have a good attitude and to just lift everybody, you know, I mean, that 
I've I've been in uh, been around some dudes who are really really good musicians, but they can't hardly like keep track of their own instrument or show up on time or like help set up. Yeah, you know what I mean. I yeah. mean, if you if you want to if you want to impress somebody, be a good musician, but almost you, you, I think a mediocre musician who is very reliable will be more likely to keep a job than the person who is just constantly, you have to babysit them mm-hmm. or, you know, take care of them, remind them that they're not showing up on time or whatever. Um, or they have a bad attitude, work on that part and be, um, you know, if, if you can, there's a lot of, there's a lot of gigs in music where you're not going to be the star, but you can make a good living, you know, back in the star yeah. or, or whatever, you know, it's just, uh, man, a good attitude and a good professional work ethic goes a long way. I am not, uh, an amazing bass player by any stretch of the imagination. I'm a very, uh, I'm, I'm solid. I'm not flashy. I don't have any super special talents on the bass. But I saw you got I like bass player of the year, like in 2017 or something. I, I did, but that's <laughs> not, that's not, I mean, that's, that's an honor, yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. also not, it's not like a, you know, like a, a scientific, <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, you know, like, yep, you were definitely the, the best at you, what you did. I mean, it's, right, it's right. a very, you know, it, it's an industry type thing where it's like that, that was awesome. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean I'm I'm technically the best. There's right, there's plenty right. of bass players who are way better than me. Um, but uh, you know, if you know, I, I I think what's what's helped me is is you know working on on you know professionalism and having a good work ethic and things like that. Right. Um, that that goes a long ways, man. It really does. And I would I would encourage anybody to you know get out there and hustle. You know go you know if you want to. Um, you know, find something that sets you apart. If you want to move to Nashville, I mean, there's, there's a, everybody that, you know, that, <laughs> that waits your table is probably a songwriter or a singer or a guitar player. Yeah. Like within 30 mile radius of this town. <laughs> I mean, it's stiff competition. And so, you know, work it, you got to work really hard or you got to be lucky. I mean, I feel like I got super lucky. Yeah. I got super lucky. Um, but I also moved here at a time when it was like just perfect timing to be like a bluegrass bass player. Right. Um, so I, I got, I was really blessed, man. And um, so, yeah, my, uh, my advice would be hustle. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. But yeah. so what's a, so what's a song for uh, people that don't listen to bluegrass? What's a song that would like kind of turn people's heads to it a little bit by you guys? Oh, uh, let's see. Uh, Del McCurry band, uh, nineteen fifty two Vincent Black Lightning. Okay, that's probably his like most requested song, and that's a song they recorded before I was in the band. And it's just, a, it's an awesome song. It was written by Richard Thompson. Um, he's an amazing British um, songwriter, singer, guitar player. Been around for a long time. Just a, a great story song. Um, that's like a perennial favorite. 
that the, the band gets requests for all the time. I, almost everybody loves that song, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I tell them to check that out. What's a song that you do that you have really fun with? Uh, that, that you sing uh, and stuff in? That I sing? Yeah. Um, oh, probably uh, probably that, that Traveling song I was, Traveling? I was okay. telling you about. Okay. From our, from our first record, yeah. It's got some good... Um, Good, good kind of stretched out solos on the end of it. Yeah, um, yeah, that's kind of a more modern, you know, progressive bluegrass type song. Yeah, they want to check that out. That'd be cool. All right, I um, mean that sounds yeah. great, man. And I, th- I pr- again, I appreciate you doing this so much, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for asking, dude. Yeah, no um, problem. I don't, I don't remember if we have we ever met in person. I don't think so. I don't think we had, right? No. Yeah. Um, I mean, I definitely so you're, wanted. You're into. I definitely wanted to go to. Right? I was, yeah. Okay. I was. I, I competed gotta, I, a couple years, and then yeah. um, I'm definitely in like the health and fitness industry. Because yeah, right yeah. now I'm trying to, uh, like, I have an online supplement store, and I'm trying to actually have my own physical oh, cool. store. So working on that. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Uh, I have an older stepbrother who uh, he's like, what is he, 50? I think he's 51 now. Okay. Who always wanted to be a body. He's always like just been a natural super athlete yeah, regardless yeah. of what he did. But he actually like, he's like, I'm going to do this. <laughs> you should check him out. His name's John Vickers. Okay. Uh, he lives in, um, he lives in Townsend. Okay. But um, check him out, man. He's, he's insane. Uh, he, he competed in like the, I guess, I don't, I don't, I don't know anything about it really, right, but right. I know he, he, he won a couple competitions doing it. Okay. But, uh, yeah, you should check him out maybe touch base with him. I don't, I, th- I don't know how, how serious he, he still is about doing it, but, um, he's a beast, man. <laughs> he's a total oh, yeah. beast. Yeah. I mean, that sport is a different animal. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Especially at that age. I'm like, gee, man. Crazy. Oh yeah. If he's still doing it, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, yeah. It's impressive. But like I said, he's always been just like just a natural super athlete, you know. I was always impressed with how much different stuff your dad was into. Yeah. You know, just like Australian rules football and kayaking. And yeah. I mean, I, play, I played now? Australian football too. Oh, did you? I did, yeah. 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 Um, he's into hiking now. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Appalachian Trail that. stuff. Yeah, he's all into yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so cool. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it right now that he does. But good for him, man. I hope hope we get to see him for too long when we get back out there. Oh, definitely. And I'm gonna try to uh, go to something with him. Yeah, man. I hope so. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, make, sure, make sure you try to get out. It's not uncommon for us to get up into like the Philly area mm-hmm. and like Baltimore. Uh, we don't do a once in a while Wilmington. But um, but usually it's more like Philly, yeah. Baltimore. It would be like the closest right. things to y'all. Yeah, I've been to Philly a couple of times yeah. to see some different shows and stuff like that. Because I'm more I'm more into like the metal and metalcore and oh yeah, screaming okay. and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's my main cool. thing. But I like everything else. I have like a wide range of love yeah. of music. Yeah. Yeah. Man, uh, Billy, Billy can lay down some pretty thrashy metal stuff. Oh, I'm sure. Billy Strings? I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man, it was awesome talking to you, and I appreciate you doing this. 
Yeah, man. Thanks for asking, Ben. Hope you uh, have a good rest of the year, bud. All right, man. Hope we get to meet in person sometime. Yeah, man. You too. All right. All right, dude. Thank you.